Well, this year sure started off with a bang. Holy cow. We thought last year was going to be uh, a busier record year for price points. It looks like this year is going to try and top last year in terms of interest in the market. It's been interesting out there to say the least. Uh, a lot of great feedback from our renewal episode. Eddie's episode down in the U.S. had some great connections with some uh, folks that were looking to get finance down there. Um, and man, it just the the conversations right now are, are so interesting, obviously, where price is going, where rates going, what's happening. And so we decided to devote an episode right now to just topics, things that are happening right now, what's going on, uh, are, are investors the reasons that prices are going up? Do we see prices going down? Are rates going here, going there? I mean, this isn't just a rate conversation, but this is more of an inventory conversation. What's happening in the marketplace? Why are prices changing? And just an overall uh, open discussion, which was quite fun, something different. We haven't done a lot of these types of uh, episodes in the past. So hope you guys are liking it. We'd love to hear your feedback, opinions, thoughts in the marketplace. It's an open conversation. We'd love to know what you're thinking about doing in the next year and if you think that uh, things are going to continue this toward pace or not. You know, I just looked up at our iTunes account and I noticed that we had 70 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So I'm so proud and so pumped. Just over 100 episodes. That means we got almost one review for every episode that we've done, which is unbelievable. If you're one of those, uh, hundreds and hundreds of listeners that we get every single episode. Uh, I wish that you would just jump on iTunes on Apple Podcasts and just leave us that five-star review if you can. Another thing that will be really helpful for us is if you share our podcast out, you can do it on Spotify super easy, just on your Instagram, your Facebook page, tag us, whatever you like means the world. Again, we do this out of our own time to keep make sure that you guys are fully educated. Um, if you're loving the show, Again, and you want to work with us or find out more about creating wealth in real estate or just working on your existing mortgage situation, easy way to get in touch is go to our website at thrivemortgage.ca. And if you want to connect to us on Instagram, you can connect to our company account at Thrive Mortgage or at the YVR Remo Show on Instagram. Anyways, this should be a fun episode. Let us know what you think. Drop the feedback on the feedback channels as already mentioned. We look forward to seeing you guys on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. All right, guys. Well, we're on officially episode 101, and excited to have you here today. Today's episode is going to be a little bit uh, different. It is going to be somewhat dated, but... At the end of the day, it's a conversation we have to have, and it's a conversation we've been having for the better part of a year and a half, two years now. And it's about real estate price points, who's buying real estate, what's going on, um, issues with inventory, government intervention, so much. And so we've kind of taken a, a whole uh, series of issues from, as I mentioned, the inventory to house prices to the you know reasons why prices are going on to where do investors fit in this picture or first-time buyers, as well as proposed changes. We put it all together in a little um, package here today, and we're just going to kind of give you some feedback on some of the things that we've seen, we're seeing, and some thoughts on potential solutions. Of course, uh, a lot of this information has been reviewed and, and researched um, from our end, reading through, but a lot of it's just firsthand uh, summary and a feeling. So I want to be really open and transparent and say to everybody listening here today, a lot of this is just our thoughts, our feelings on uh, what's happening based on the information that we know we see and seeing literally hundreds and hundreds of applications every single month and having many conversations with people in the industry. So, I mean, I, I mean, I think probably no better place to start off right now than just kind of talking a little bit about where we're at right now, 
um, in 2022 as it pertains to housing prices. Um, and again, not a big surprise here, but just like some information regarding some of the statistics uh, across the country. I know, Dean, you were just we were just looking at an interesting stat there, or not stat, but a series of statistics that showed us the uh, percentage of price increases across the country, not just BC. Again, a lot of people just think about Vancouver and these areas, but not just BC. And some of the areas that had a little bit surprised us that we were seeing some price gains and maybe some conversations on what's happening there. I found that really interesting, the, especially because the media really pushes the fact that Ontario, BC, these two provinces are like really hot topics in the real estate discussion when it comes to media. And and, and that is true. I mean, we have been hotter than ever. But what surprised me is actually the rest of the country has been really hot too. And in some cases, hotter. Other provinces are quite, you know, arguably hotter in, in almost double uh, digits than BC. Um, so that was really surprising. And, and the one that really stuck out to me was the province of Manitoba. There, there are cities and municipalities throughout Manitoba that are seeing 48% increase in 12 months in, in pricing, which to me is just that blew me away. I'm not familiar with that market whatsoever. So to see those stats was was really surprising. <clears throat> and um, furthermore, the, the the Alberta and Saskatchewan kind of seem to be the two outliers that just aren't seeing that that uptake. Those are the two provinces that, you know, I guess the rest of the country is kind of getting lumped into, oh, there's not that much, uh, there's not that much appreciation. The activity is not as, as high as, as Ontario, BC, but it's really just isolated to those two provinces. The rest of the country is, is on fire. To Dean's point, it's really interesting to kind of see some of the uh, areas and locations that we never would have seen in the past or thought about in the past that are that are actually, as you mentioned, just blowing up like Manitoba. Um, you know, does anybody ever talk about Manitoba? What's going on there? Why are people moving to Manitoba? Why are price points blowing up in places like that? Um, you know, uh, conversely speaking, you know, why is Alberta or up until, you know, December of 2021, why was Calgary and uh, most of Alberta and Saskatchewan in such a funk? I mean, I, we, there's a lot of conversations. We hopefully can bring somebody on from Alberta to talk a little bit about why they're anticipating some major growth this year. But it's just interesting to see that you know there are places outside of BC, outside of Ontario, such as the Maritimes, such as Manitoba, that are absolutely uh, on fire as well. It's not just the uh, the West Coast and the center of Canada. I was just going to say that uh, I know a big point, like from my personal conversations, is. Alberta did pick up a little bit in 2021, more than it has the previous four years. And I mean, we personally have had a lot of clients that are looking to invest and their qualification doesn't allow them to get a good cash flowing rental property locally here, right? Like they're limited to maybe an older condo building where you're running into strata issues. So instead of investing locally, people are starting to do their research outside of, uh, you know, the lower mainland and, and invest into these other markets like Calgary and Manitoba and Winnipeg. So I do know for a fact that qualification is driving some of that. You're just getting a totally different type of investment property uh, outside of the lower mainland investing especially when it comes to investing in a rental property the focus shouldn't be appreciation this has been the cherry on top over the last 12 months yeah. in a big way but like the focus really and then why a lot of people choose alberta and specifically is for cash flow reasons and and sustainability and just honestly predictability like going back five years there really hasn't been much of an improvement there it just seems to be very consistent which for an investor can be very comforting to know what you're getting into and have really clear predictability and just going into it with, Hey, the cash flow is, is, is King focus there. I would say like, in addition to that, you know, it's interesting to look at the different markets uh, and we won't spend too much time on this, but it's interesting to look at the different markets here. Like 
for example, in, in BC, if you're someone in BC listening to this uh, in British Columbia, you know, Vancouver Island, I would suggest, is probably more fueled by people actually moving, relocating. The Maritimes could possibly be the same, maybe a little bit less on the investor front because of the affordability previously. Whereas to your point, uh, Dean, um, in some of those other cities or areas or locations, it could be a lot more investor uh, driven. Really interesting to say. And that kind of leads us into our next point. So we're going to talk a little bit later about <clears throat> this, the proposed CMHC changes when it comes to investment-based financing in Canada and what that could look like. But for now, just a quick little comment maybe on um, you know, what's going on. And maybe, maybe we'll come back to inventory. I think that's a conversation we can touch on afterwards, what's going on in, in the city planning, what's driving it. But a big topic or a big conversation that's been up in the news a lot lately is around real estate investors and particularly speculators causing a lot of the increases in price points and taking up a much higher or larger percentage of people who are buying real estate in general. So guys, I want to do a little roundtable and talk a little bit more about why that could be, what we're seeing, and then we'll transition that into the potential rules and restrictions that uh, CMHC is proposing and what that could look like. I mean, it's a great point. And I definitely think that uh, it's something to consider. I mean, there was a development in Aldergrove that I think had 71 or 73 units. And there were 1,250 people that had put their name in to try to purchase in this smallish development. Um, and, you know, I can guarantee that those were not all first-time buyers or people to actually looking to live in those properties. You know, when you look at what real estate's done, even in the last 12 months, let alone the last 10 years, it's a massive investment, right? Like, it's a great, solid investment. You can make millions of dollars in real estate if you invest properly. Um, and I think people are really starting to catch on to that. And with house prices doing what they're doing, if you're in the market, you know, your house is appreciated. You have access to, you know, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars that you might not have if you weren't in the market. And people are starting to realize that they can access that equity and make it work for them and they can invest into another property, right? If you've seen the, uh, the benefits of, of one property, maybe your, your primary residence, just think about duplicating that. Right now you have two properties that are appreciating and someone's paying your mortgage down and you maybe you have some cash flow. So I think it's just become more and more common that I mean, there's more education, like we're doing a podcast every single week, right? Trying to educate people on real estate and how, how strong of an investment it can be and how you can use the equity in your home. And I think people are just really starting to catch on to that and, and trying to, you know, create more wealth out of real estate. Is that driving house prices? Is that pushing up house prices? Because we're, I mean, the, the media is always looking for someone to be, uh, you know, the bad guy, so to speak. And, you know, all the articles that have been come out in the last seven to 10 uh, days. So again, it's hard to date the episode, but whatever. All the articles that have been coming out in January 2022 have been around uh, investors fueling in the market. And when they talk about speculating, typically, Dean made a point earlier in the in the podcast here already that they're looking for appreciation. They're not really fully comprehending all the other advantages, or maybe they do, but they just don't care. They're looking to just make a quick buck and, and purchase and sell. How do you guys feel about that being the reason that we're seeing house prices go the way they are? Well, I don't think there's really any proof that you know investors are just buying for the purpose of selling. You know, a lot of the investors we work with, I'd say almost all of them, are purchasing for rental. The purpose is to rent it out. And for me, it, it, I have a hard time really believing in this theory that the investors are driving this market because the rental market is is awful to deal with right now. There is nothing for rent. The inventory issues are funneling right down to the rental market. So when you jump on 
Craigslist to go rent a, you know, a two bedroom condo in Langley, as an example, there's lineups of 30 people just to rent. So we're seeing the exact same activity in the rental market as the, uh, the purchase market. And, and I mean, I know what I paid for a two bedroom, two bath apartment when I was renting 10 years ago, it's, it's insanely higher. Uh, it's, it's, it's seen just incredible increases on the rental rate. So for me, it's like, why are we targeting investors that are actually helping supply for renters? I mean, real estate is unaffordable. And again, it's, it, we just keep circling around the issue and, and the media doesn't want to touch on it, but it's, it's an inventory issue where, you know, it comes back to inventory and the fact that there's issues with inventory and why is that? That's something we haven't touched on yet in this episode, but um, we have our thoughts and I'd love to dive into that. Well, I mean, I, I've got a couple thoughts on that too. I mean, so we did just touch on the fact that more people are investing in real estate than ever before, but I do agree with you. It's not likely the primary reason between, as to why house prices are continuing to increase at the rate that they're increasing. Obviously, one of the contributing factors. What I will mention, so a couple of things I would suggest uh, to be true, because we've seen some of the statistics. Since 2014, we went from uh, home buyers over the course of the year, investors had 18% market share in 2018, 2014. And then 2021, or the most recent study that was published, uh, we're up 20% market share. So a much larger percentage of people are buying properties as an investment. Again, that's a very small margin. Um, however, it's 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 an interesting topic to talk about. And if that is the case, you know, why is that the case, and why is that a good thing? And and you know, again, I don't think that's the reason that we're seeing prices go up the way they are. But it's a good conversation to have. Is it is it a part of the the big picture there? You know, a couple thoughts here really quickly on that and, and transitioning over to Derek, who has a few thoughts on this piece as well, which, you know, uh, looking at why people are investing more now than ever, you know, freedom of information education is obviously really key. You know, people have listened to podcasts like ours and many other, you know, bigger ones in the US, like Bigger Pockets and so forth, who talk a lot about the opportunities that investing can help. I mean, there's industries of investment uh, properties, meaning, you know, there's people out there who essentially you know, get paid to either find these properties and, and go out there and, and help people buy them or teach people. It, it's an industry, right? In the US, much bigger than Canada. And I think it's just starting to get to the point where in Canada, people are just starting to recognize the opportunity. So I think there's a level of that. The other uh, consideration in my mind, and this is probably speaking to a bigger picture, I think people, I think people have had enough and a newer generation is absolutely sick of the previous ways of getting absolutely hosed. I know I'm Canadian here, but getting hosed by the banks. And I think a big part of that is people, you know, don't feel as confident or as comfortable in just giving their money over to, you know, their financial planner at one of the big banks and saying, here, go make me some money. They've seen what happened in 2008. They've seen, you know, the fees that they're paying and they're saying, you know what, maybe I'm going to pay some fees in real estate, but at least I'm in control of my own destiny. And I know for myself, that's a big part of the picture here. I, I do uh, invest outside as well, but that's a massive consideration. Again, there's quite a few more, but just, yeah, those are some thoughts on why I think we're seeing even though it's not fueling the market completely, I think those are some of the reasons that we're starting to see investors take up a larger market share. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I was just looking at a stat, which is kind of interesting. So for 2021 as a whole, there were 666,995 residential property sales based on MLS, which is up 20% from 2020. So as much as across the board pretty well, other than a couple isolated provinces, Values have been increasing dramatically. There's probably inventory issues across the board. There were a lot more transactions, 
right? So it's, it's interesting to tie this all together because where is this all coming from, right? Like where is this big spike coming from? Is it immigration? Where are all the people coming from, right? And I think that ties back into the investor piece. I mean, it is a small portion. It's 19, 20% of, of overall transactions. But when you look at 670,000 uh, transactions, it's a fair amount of people that are investing in real estate. We need those investors as a as a rental market. We need more rent rental property. So, as much as we're going to now target them from a you know a federal perspective, the federal government is going to target this this in, this sector of the of the real estate industry. It it doesn't really make sense. Like we're so we're still going to have issues in the rental market. If anything, that's going to make the rental market even worse than it is now, and it's not good. It, it's not in a good position. It's very difficult to rent a property right now, and that's that's a bad that's a bad thing. So why would we go make that worse as well? Like, I think just looking at solutions is is more important than you know just constantly. I don't know. It just seems like there's not a lot of thought here. Let's talk a little bit about what they're what the plans are, what they're trying to do, and then we can transition into the the potential rule changes, and of course, where do first time buyers fit in this whole picture here as well, and, and what does that look like? Um, you know, a couple of considerations here. The government is proposing making changes to the people's ability to qualify for investment-based loans, which means a loan on a property where you are essentially uh, buying it for the purpose of investing. Now, one thing to your point, Dean, uh, one thought here, because I had a pretty interesting conversation this week with someone who's uh, in the know and talks to a lot of people. And, and her feedback to me was that, you know, the government is looking at it as we have not enough supply in part because they're not building enough purpose-built rentals, which I don't know the stats around that. So I can't speak to how many purpose-built rentals we have relative to other populations and what's out there. But there's obviously some consideration that should be had. That being said, you know, I know close to home here in Langley City, I've seen tons of purpose-built rentals come up in the last few years. And uh, generally speaking, uh, I mean, I guess I've never lived in one, so I can't speak to it. Beautiful properties. The price points for those properties seem to be uh, at the top, top, top end of the market price points, and they don't seem to be any better after speaking to one of the, my tenants right now who lived in one. So is that the answer really? I don't think so. Um, maybe helpful when it comes to supply, to your point, maybe there's less people having to struggle to get into a rental property, which is obviously a major concern. However, I don't know if that is the answer. Anyhow, playing devil's advocate, let's talk a little bit about that potential change because we've been teasing people for a while here on that and some of our thoughts going forward. So just so everyone knows what's going on, um, there have been a lot of changes based on the government's guidelines and CMHC rules in the last 15 years around the ability to buy investment properties. You know, in 2007, you could go buy a one to four unit rental parental property in some cases for basically 0% down. I think back at uh, in 2007, you could buy one and essentially do a borrowed down payment and buy a four unit property, which is wild. And you'd have to, you could qualify with 100% of the rental income. So we're <laughs> investors back then or anybody who invested back then, uh, those people were doing quite well for themselves as far as finding properties are concerned. But, you know, looking at things today and where we're at, not the case. 2016, I believe, uh, CMHC made changes to the rules and said, we're no longer insuring any investment-based mortgages. And for a couple of years after that, we saw uh, at least from my experience, a little bit of a dip of people buying real estate while lenders were trying to figure out what options were available and took a huge step back, as well as uh, people who were investors also, or maybe who were on the borderline, step back too, because either they couldn't qualify or they didn't feel as good about moving forward with an investment property. So some of the rules that are being suggested are the following, uh, potentially increasing down payments from anywhere between 25 to 35%. Right now, they're at 20% minimum for a rental property. 
changing the way that down payments work. They're potentially suggesting that you can no longer do borrowed down payment. We don't know if that means no refinancing to purchase or we do, or a home equity line of credit. It, it seems that it would probably be not using the home equity line of credit. Um, and those are two massive potential considerations for people. Uh, although I've got some thoughts and feelings. Let's do a little round table here, guys. I mean, we'll see if they roll this out, when they roll it out, and if they, you know, if they're going to actually implement these things. But if they do, I mean, there's typically going to be workarounds, right? Like if you have access to a line of credit, uh, if that's your only source of down payment, draw it from the line of credit, put it in your bank account, turn that into a mortgage, right? You can look at using that down payment down the road as long as it's been in your account for a certain amount of time. Um, so that's a way that you can try to work around it. In regards to, like in my feelings on, you know, the potential increase for down payment, they're talking about potentially going from a bare minimum 20% all the way up to 35% down for investment properties. Yeah, there are a lot of people that are, are just kind of scraping together the 20% to buy their their first rental property. There's also a lot of people locally here, I'm just talking local because of what the market's done. There's a lot of people that have access to far more than they need. Then they have access to far more than 20% if it's coming from their home, right? Residential detached homes have appreciated like three, $400,000 in certain pockets of the valley. Um, you know, if you qualify to get access to that equity, you're probably going to have more than enough and you can probably still look at purchasing investment property. And because you're doing a larger down payment, you're going to have more cash flow, right? So there are still going to be a ton of people that are going to be able to purchase uh, and continue to invest in real estate, in my opinion. The other way to kind of look at this, and we've, t this is more of a house hacking uh, tip that we've talked about a lot where a client would buy their first home and then maybe three years later they buy their next home which is also going to be their primary residence and then they turn their previous home into the rental property so that's one way to you know be able to plan again it's back to planning if you know if we're having issues with home equity line of credit it is just preparing maybe this is a four month down the road uh, opportunity opposed to using the home equity line of credit right now for the down payment so again it's just more preparation and planning, I think, to really navigate this. So in my opinion, I think just with those, you know, maneuvers, I think this is going to have very little to no impact. Um, and, and you know what, like back to investors having more capital, a lot of investors will prefer to put a little bit more down just from a cash flow perspective. If the sometimes 25% will actually allow the property to cash flow versus 20%, depending, you know, this is more when rates are a little bit higher than they are now. But um, again, I just really don't see there's going to be much of an impact here. And it just seems like a, a poor use of government time. So you mentioned you don't see a lot of an impact when it comes to being able to use the home equity line of credit. I, I would argue that where we would see an impact based on our conversations in the past here uh, is if the down payment requirement was moved up to say 35% down payment um, compared to 20% down payment. Now, uh, so yeah. just to make sure we're on the same page on this one here, uh, what I'm specifically speaking about is just the amount of people able to and willing to buy an investment property, not uh, whether or not it makes sense at this point right now. So just quite willing the ability to do so. And is that going to impact supply and demand? So, I mean, I can look at a number of my recent applications and suggest that if, uh, you know, if this individual has had to put 35% down, they wouldn't be able to do it. They wouldn't be able to come up with 35%. Obviously, that's almost doubling the down payment requirement on a $500,000 property. You know, that's going up, uh, almost coming up to $200,000 from $100,000 as an example. But the nature of those people are going to buy something. So they typically, that just tells me they're going to buy something cheaper. And so that could just be, you know, pushing further supply issues into cheaper 
real estate, which is ultimately going to affect the supply and demand for first-time home buyers as well. Like a, like a true investor is just going to find another opportunity with their budget. Like it's really just budgeting. Okay, I don't, I can't afford six hundred, then I'll buy five hundred. It, it's to me, I think it, the trickle down is 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 going to be. Interesting. The people that are listening to our podcast are probably the type of people that are going to find a way. <laughs> Guys like you and I are going to find a way. We're going to look in different locations, look at different sources of capital. People are going to have to be creative. What? But what I do believe, and and I and you know, again, it will happen. I'd love to hear feedback from people listening to the episode of the show here. What do you think is going to happen? Send us a message on our Instagram page, or uh, send us a voice note on our uh, anchor account here. You know, do you think that uh, we'll be losing a lot of the quote unquote, you know, junior investors, the first time investors, or are your thoughts that we're going to see, um, just generally speaking, a, a deflation in price points because all of these speculators are gone? So I'd love to hear some feedback from our listeners on that and see. Uh, Derek, any thoughts on this? Being quiet over there. I think let's say this actually made a huge impact and people stopped buying rental properties, which it won't, but let's say that happened, right? There is still such a big market. For people who are just trying to upsize or downsize or move, um, or like the first-time homebuyer market, the first-time homebuyer market was over fifty percent of all transactions in twenty twenty-one across Canada, right? So even if this did what the government wants it to do, and there were no people buying rental properties, it's going to create probably a little bit more inventory. It might solve that problem a bit, but there's still so many people that want to get into the market that haven't been able to. I don't think this makes a big impact on the on the market as a whole or property values. I think it would probably solve inventory a little bit, but again, like it's it's creating a more of an issue for the rental market. People trying to rent homes, like Dean mentioned. One thing I think we can all agree upon is whatever they decide to do here today, it's going to be a long long time before we see any uh, softening in the inventory market. And you know, I, I, and again, I mean, I don't know if I can get into deep statistics in terms of how many people are working with our investors versus. Uh, regular home buyers, but that that number, even though we work with a lot of clients who are buying investment properties, we still say that most of our clients are still buying properties either as owner occupied or or something of that nature as well. So curious to see where that goes and what happens there. Um, uh, you know, just some some final thoughts here on some solutions going forward here, because again, we did just note that first time buyers, are the ones who have been most heavily impacted over the course of. Uh, the last year based on statistics showing, I mean, uh, all graphs show that first-time buyers are the ones who are getting impacted more than any other market, which makes sense because if, if we're in a major city center, like uh, if you're in a Vancouver or if you're in an Ontario or, or I should say a Toronto or surrounding areas, well, price points have gone up and you didn't have the ability to leverage your equity to purchase that second property. So uh, guys, any thoughts on uh, what that might look like over the next year or two and uh, opportunities for those people to think about? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. We work with a ton of first-time buyers as well. And surprisingly, we actually see a lot of people getting felt uh, help from family, right? Uh, I had a client that called me yesterday, actually. Uh, his dad sold his house, made a lot of money off his house, and he has helped out uh, my client, his son. And son now wants to look at uh, either upsizing or buying an investment property. So I think that's a huge component here. Like, yeah, is it scary to be a first-time buyer in our market? A little bit. You're paying $900,000 for a townhouse, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think you should let it deter you. If it's affordable, if it's uh, if it's a place that you are comfortable living, if, if you could see it as a long-term property, uh, I think that you just need to get into the market, right? Uh, especially like a big tip for first-time buyers, your first home is probably not going to be uh, you know, you're not going to be head over heels in love with it. It might be a stepping stone property. You know, you want a townhouse, but maybe only qualify for a condo, buy a condo, 
right? Live there for five years, see what the market does for you. Uh, you could have some massive appreciation. You're going to pay down your mortgage and hopefully you can look at upsizing down the road. Being a little bit more creative is absolutely uh, important. I mean, I'm just going to look back and, and uh, you know, some of our notes from, from before. Uh, one of the things that we talk a lot about is, uh, well, first of all, change your expectations on the market and what you can do. Remember, this is your first home. It's actually really blows my mind. I think there's too many people watching. Uh, what's that show uh, on HGTV? I, I don't even know what it's called, but the one where they're out there, House Hunters. There we go. <laughs> and these guys look like they're, uh, you know, they, they don't even have a job and they're buying homes that are worth, you know, two or three million dollars in Vancouver for a hundred grand in, you know, some little place. A couple things to remember, folks. That show is fictional. It's not real. Uh, it's made up. <laughs> Those people don't necessarily have to be the buyers. And the second thing is they don't disclose to us any information around how they got their source of money. So don't look at that. Don't watch that. Get in the market. The second thing I'd suggest people do is get a little more creative and looking at opportunities to venture with other people. Look, Find a friend, find a roommate, find someone else that you want to buy with. We've had episodes in the past about joint venturing with people. And maybe we'll bring up a different conversation on that in the future. But that'll be a big one. Hey, there's no doubt it uh, sucks getting into the market as a first-time buyer to a degree. But you got to find a way. You got to get creative if that's something that you want to do. Uh, you know, as a third note, you know, of course, we have seen salaries start to rise across the board. So hopefully, uh, for that reason, we also see, uh, you know, people being able to qualify for a little more, I, you know, I'd say on average, uh, most of the first time buyers that I see or work with are, are dual incomes. So we do see two people with two incomes, and they can afford to get in as a, a condo. You know, I, I got into my first home, uh, a very low, very, very, very entry level level condo in an area I didn't want to be. And at the end of the day, made some sacrifices to get in. So I think a lot of people can probably set their expectations there. There still is an issue out there, but uh, a couple pieces of advice I have on my end. Anything else on your end there? Yeah, just start planning sooner than later, right? It can take you two mark two years to get into the market sometimes just with saving down payment and paying off a credit card and whatever, right? So just have the conversation as soon as you can. Do an application. It's going to take you guys like an hour, right, to do an application, send your documents in, and we'll build a really thorough plan. And best case scenario, you qualify now and you can act on something now. But if not, you've got a roadmap of what you need to do to get in. Absolutely. So in summary here today, guys, a lot of this uh, episode was uh, definitely an update on what's going on uh, Canada-wide. Some of the areas that we've seen, uh, a little bit of surprise increase in price points, uh, You know, a little bit about what's happening in the rental market, proposed changes. This is really a, 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 an opportunity or a, um, an episode where we want to just get some feedback from you guys. We want to hear from you. What do you think is happening? Uh, why do you think it's happening? Uh, do you agree with the proposed changes in relation to the CMHC policies? Let us know. Send us some uh, information, some feedback. Our channels are as follows, at Thrive Mortgage Co. on Instagram, at the YBR Remo Show. Or if you go to Anchor, you can actually leave us a voice note. Last but not least, if you have any other questions or you want to find out if maybe you can get into the market before we see continued price increases, check us out online at thrivemortgage.ca. Click out the form. We'll reach out to you as soon as we can. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, have a wonderful rest of your day.